Well, hello there, and thanks for tuning in to our message today. And I don't know about you, but I think all of us have had times when things don't work out exactly as we planned. Well, we hope this is an encouragement to you as Jordan Harnum continues on in our Overcomer series as he speaks on where to find peace when things don't go as planned. Well, good morning and welcome to Church Online. My name is Jordan Harnum and I'm one of the leaders here. So excited that you're with us and believing that you're going to be encouraged by what God has to say to us today through his, through his word. On the 21st of March, Rachel and I were supposed to go to Florida with my brother and his wife, both Rachel's parents and my parents, and my brother's father and mother-in-law. Wow, that was a mouthful. And we were so excited. We had a house rented that was going to be awesome with this giant pool. We were going to just be together and celebrate his family. And uh, we, were, we were really excited. But I bet you can guess what happened. COVID happened. And this trip that we've been planning for a long time all of a sudden got put on the back burner as we just watched flights get canceled. And then, you know, and the NBA suspended their season and we knew that it was as good as done. But, you know, I think of other people that their lives have been impacted in a little bit of a greater degree. I think of three weddings that I was supposed to be involved in, and they're looking like they're going to have to change some plans. You can imagine what those brides and those grooms are thinking, you know. This is not what I had planned. This is not what I had hoped for. This is not what I imagined when I thought of my wedding. This is not what I was hoping for. And yes, like Rachel and I too, we, we weren't planning for that to happen. Have you ever had something happen in your life where you said, this is not what I would choose. This is not what is supposed to happen. This is not what I planned for. Maybe it's not a trip or maybe you've been trying to have a child for a long time and things aren't working out the way you thought they would. And maybe you dreamed of your wedding day, but your marriage is not what you had hoped for or what you planned for. Or maybe you find yourself out of a job right now and you're thinking, this is not what's supposed to happen. I've got kids and a family to feed and you're just thinking, this is not good. Or maybe you're a student and you're thinking, I'm going to get into this university and I'm going to make it happen so I get this scholarship, but things aren't working out the way you had thought they would. And you find yourself saying, this is not what I planned for. I think we all have experiences where, kind of like our speaker two weeks ago, Chris McLean, said, where our experience doesn't match our expectation. The question is this, how do we have peace when things don't go as planned? How do we have peace when things don't go as planned? Or where do we find peace when things don't go as planned? If I may, I want to encourage you from God's Word, the Bible today, and I really think that this is a message that really God wants to speak to you. This is not just something that you're participating in, but I believe God wants to speak to you today through His Word, and, and I, hope, I hope He will. If you look at the New Testament, we get to observe the life of Jesus. You see Him when He got baptized by John the Baptist, and you see him when he selects his disciples, you know, this ragtag group of fishermen and, you know, all sorts of different people that you'd never really choose for ourselves. And they begin to have this friendship that's really, really amazing. They spend their lives watching Jesus do ministry, heal the sick, free people of evil spirits. He actually took food and multiplied it for thousands of people and he could take water and turn it into wine, the good wine. I mean, they had something going with Jesus that I don't know if I've ever been a part of, of just true, true community and where God is moving in powerful ways and the, the Spirit is breaking out in, in amazing ways. But then something begins to happen. As his message of love and forgiveness gathered thousands of people, 
he began to become a little controversial. He began to kind of turn religion on its head. He gathered some critics and his claim to be God ruffled some feathers and that was really the beginning of the end. Seemingly out of nowhere, Jesus began to, dis- to explain to his disciples that the end was coming. All this, our friendship and what we've got going on, it's, it's going to change. He says around a meal, he says, I'm going to actually be betrayed by one of you. He says, I'm going to suffer and die. And where I'm going, you can't come. And now I just want you to picture the heartbreak and, and, and the devastation of the disciples. After being so close and spending so much time with Jesus, you can just imagine how devastated they were. And if you read from John 13 onward, there's a couple chapters there where you can hear the pain and confusion of the disciples. What do you mean you're going? You can't leave. I'll never betray you, Jesus. You can hear them saying, like, you're the center of all this. You're the center of everything that we've got going on. How, what, do you, what do you mean you're leaving? Where are you going? How can we get there? I mean, it, it sounds crazy. And what does it mean for all of us? What does it mean for what we've got going on? I mean, Jesus, you raise people from the dead. How are you going to allow your own self to die? This isn't what's supposed to happen. This isn't the plan, Jesus. Their best friend, their leader, was going to die. Surely this is not what they signed up for. So Jesus has this encouragement. He's trying to explain to his disciples in these chapters, in these verses, and and he's trying to encourage them to find peace and to take heart. And he he kind of, it all comes to a climax in, in chapter 16, verse 32, when he says this. He says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to your own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. And I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, look, here's my encouragement. He says a number of things and he ends it with this. He says, a time is coming when you're going to be scattered to your own homes. You know, when, when all this kind of isolation began happening, God brought me back to this verse where it says, you're going to be scattered to your own homes. It sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? Yes, the situation is incredibly dif- different, but I think we can somewhat understand a little bit how the disciples felt when their friendships all of a sudden seemed a little more distant. He says, you're going to be scattered to your own homes. And yes, sure enough, like your favorite Netflix series where all the friends kind of at the end of this season, they say farewell and they move on. The disciples are now dispersed, leaving Jesus completely alone. Jesus says this, you will leave me alone, yet I am not alone. My Father is with me. See, Jesus understood that peace can be found in the presence of God. I'll say that again. Peace can be found in the presence of God. It's like, you may leave me. You may not be around anymore. I may find myself alone, but I know God is with me. Jesus had an understanding of the presence and nearness of his Father. And the truth is this, that when things don't go as planned, or maybe, you know what, you just know that this is not what you had wanted. When our world is upside down, We find peace in the same truth that no matter what comes, pandemic, job loss, divorce, we are not alone. 
we know God is with us. You know, Jesus encouraged his disciples earlier in John 14, and he says, look, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you an orphan. In fact, I'm going to send you one just like me. I'm going to send you one just like me, and he's an advocate. He's a comforter. He's my spirit. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, he did send his spirit, and it lives within the lives of Jesus' followers even today. And so I need you to listen to me just for a moment. If you've committed your life to following Jesus, if you've made him the Lord and the ruler of your life, and you've found salvation and forgiveness from him, the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you even now. The very spirit of Jesus lives in you. You can be sure of God's presence. You will never be alone. God is in you, and he is in you by his spirit. We can find peace in God's presence. He is with you. Jesus says that not only can we find peace in God's presence, we can find peace in the person of Jesus. He says, look, there's coming a day you're going to be scattered. You're going to leave me alone, but I will not be alone because my, my Father is with me. And then he says this in verse 33. Verse 33 he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. He's like, I'm saying these things to you so that you can have peace. But just not any peace. You can have peace that's in me. These words were said before Jesus would be arrested and placed on a cross where he would die. And as we heard last week, we know that Jesus did not stay dead, but he was resurrected. He overcame death by rising again. And because of his death on the cross and his resurrecting, we have peace with God, but we can also experience the peace of God. Because of what Jesus has done in him, we can find the peace of God, but also peace with God. It's this idea, it's like we can trust Jesus with our souls. We can trust him with our, our future. But we can also trust him with our situations. We can also trust him with our fears. We can trust him with our souls, and we can trust him with our situation. We can trust him with our heavenly future, and we can trust him with handling our fears. You know, it's interesting. Oftentimes, when I find myself anxious and fearful, I think about that fact. It's like, I, I sleep easy at night. I trust Jesus with my soul. Why am I struggling to trust him with my situation? Think about it. I mean, as believers, we have assurance that things between us and God are good. I don't think for a moment that God doesn't love me. I know that he loves me and accepts me. I know nothing can separate us. I know one day I will enter into heaven completely confident that Jesus was enough. I don't lose sleep over that. Then why are we? Why do I lose sleep so easily over light and momentary troubles, as Paul calls them? Why do we so quickly forget who's actually in control? And this reminds me of a time I was driving with my friend Steve. Now, something you've got to know about Steve is Steve is a good driver. He's a really good driver. He's the kind of guy that if you're having trouble like backing up into a spot, Steve would just do it great job. I mean, if you want someone to pull something, like with a trailer, I would just call Steve because I just, I just trust Steve. He's, a, he's that friend who's responsible. He's just good at a, at a lot of good things. And if any of my friends that know Steve are watching right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. When Steve's around, everything's going to be fine. 
This one night we were driving on a dark road and it was wet and foggy. And you know those nights when you're driving and it's just completely like dark and black. In fact, this road is called Black Marsh Road, maybe for that reason. It's just not a whole lot of streetlights and it was dark. And I was looking down at my phone or whatever, distracted, which is no surprise. And I look up only to see someone on a bicycle in the middle of the night in a rainstorm kind of biking towards us in our lane. Now, I thought for some reason that it would be incredibly helpful to just scream, you know, there's a bike, like, you know, pretty dramatically. But not only that, I I thought it would be worthwhile to grab the steering wheel and to throw it across the road. Well, the car rocked sideways and jolted, and and we, we nearly lost control, but to no surprise, Steve, being the driver he is, took control of the vehicle, and in typical fashion, he responded to me with grace and patience. Now, there's still some debate as to whether Steve saw the biker or not, or if I did, in fact, save the day. The biker's okay. I'm sure he has a story to tell as well of a crazy driver that almost killed him. But, see, I believe Steve saw the biker the entire time, possibly in no danger to hit the biker. But from my perspective, it looked like we were going into a head-on collision. And I learned two lessons that night. And the first is this. Don't grab the steering wheel of someone who is driving. That's free. You get that one for free, okay? Write it down. Write it in your notes. To those journalers out there, you can write that down. Don't grab the steering wheel while someone is driving. But the second is this. Just because something seems out of control doesn't mean it is. And I think so oftentimes as Christians, we like to do a similar thing where we kind of coast along and we're trusting Jesus with our souls and we believe everything is good and it is good. He's in control. We know that Jesus is taking care of our sin and our souls. He's got us. He's made us righteous. Everything is fine. We trust him with that. But then we see something up ahead. Then we see that something may happen or we experience something that causes us fear. And so quickly we're often tempted to grab the wheel and take control and oftentimes, from my experience, make a mess of things. Maybe you're watching and you feel like your life is a little out of control right now. Maybe you feel like you're headed for an online, for for a head-on collision. And know this, that you can have peace in Jesus, not only with your soul, but with your situation. Know that Jesus sees you. He knows what you're going through and he cares. But get this, Jesus will not fall asleep at the wheel. He's completely in control. I feel like there's a song about that, or there should be a song about Jesus at the wheel. Maybe Carrie Underwood. Yeah, Carrie Underwood definitely made a song about Jesus at the wheel. Peace can be found in God's presence. He is with you. Peace can be found in the person of Jesus. He is in control. Now, depending on your personality, you might find that idea a little frightening of Jesus being in control. But I want to encourage you to see it as freeing. Now, I'll confess, at times in my life, I've been known to have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility, is what I like to call it. Sometimes I like to get in the middle of things and take control in situations that I really am not responsible for. And maybe that's an event that I'm attending as a guest, or maybe, you know, I might just uh, be in a situation where I I feel like someone needs to do something. Sometimes I've been known, you know, to want to jump in there. And Rachel, being the fantastic wife that she is, sometimes she just so greatly reminds me that, Jordan, this is not your responsibility. And just hearing that reminds me, 
Jordan, you're not in control. This is not yours to worry about. And so many times that actually allows me to relax and to enjoy the event that I'm at. See, when we give our lives to Jesus, we abandon control to him. We abandon our will and our lives to him and we let go of the wheel and we trust him. Realizing that God is in control allows you to take a breather. And that's why having the right perspective is so key in finding peace. When we step back and we try and see things from a different perspective, it can change everything. So I just want to let you know something. You're not in control of the coronavirus. I'm not in control of this virus. There are many, many things outside of our control. And when the sooner we recognize that God is in control, the easier it is for us to take a breather and go, you're right, someone else is at the wheel. And so peace can be found in God's presence. He is with you. Peace can be found in the person of Jesus. He is in control. And lastly, here's my third point for those of you that are taking notes. Peace can be found in perspective. Jesus ends his encouragement with this in verse 33. Why don't you read it with me? I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now this series is called Overcomers. It's called Overcomers for a reason. See, as Jesus finishes this moment, he reminds them to expect trials. Don't be surprised. Now I can remember the first time I played paintball with some friends. I can still remember the fear and anxiety of sneaking around this wet forest wearing some old man's mechanic coveralls. And, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm terrified. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to get hit by a paintball. Then all of a sudden I can remember when it's just like pop. I can remember it hit me right here on my right knee. It It was awful, awful pain. I hit the ground like a sack of potatoes and I vowed I would never, ever play this game again. It was too much pain. I had no idea who shot me or where it came from. But you know, the more I played and the more I got hit by paintballs, which happened to be a lot, I'm not very good at paintball, uh, the more I realized that they actually began to hurt a little less, the more I got used to it. And I'm convinced that the ones that hurt the most are often the ones you don't see coming. And the same is true in life, the unexpected news. That doctor's report that you we're not expecting to go that way or that sudden layoff or that sickness that just blindsided your family. Those hurt seemingly a little more than the ones you anticipated. And I wonder if that's why Jesus was so adamant on telling his disciples that they're going to suffer, that they're going to have trouble. He continues to remind them. He makes sure, look, I want you to have a proper perspective. Don't think that life is going to be easy. You're going to have trials. In other translations, my translation says tribulations. You're going to have trials and trouble. You're going to, it's, it's not going to be easy. In 1 Peter 4, I've come to like this, where it says, Dear friends, this is 1 Peter 4, 12, 4, 12. It says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through, as if something strange is happening to you. It's like, my friends, he's writing, don't be surprised that you're having trouble. Don't think you're exempt. Don't be surprised at the fiery troubles you're going through as if something strange is happening to you. Now let's be honest. COVID-19 is strange. There's nothing normal about it. And I don't think any of us expected to be where we are. And I don't imagine any of you expected, if you're working from home and you have children, to be working from home and being a homeschooling parent at the same time. 
Having the right perspective in the middle of chaos is, is key to finding peace. And a part of that is to know that no one is exempt from this. A part of that is to, is to know that troubles are to be expected. Jesus helps give them that perspective. He says, look, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. Take heart, he says. Be encouraged. Be brave. Like, get a lot of courage, for I have overcome the world. See, part of our perspective is, is to not be surprised, but it's also to understand that in the end, God wins. Jesus reminds them that in this world, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but he's overcome the world. He's greater than the world. He's greater than your problems. He's greater than our struggles. He is greater. He's conquered the grave. He's dealt with sin, and he's dealt with evil, and he's dealt with Satan. Listen to me. Your troubles are no match for him. They are no match for him. And so we don't need to bite our nails and worry, how is it all going to shake out in the end? No, we know the end. And the end is this, that Jesus wins every time. We will spend eternity with him. See, the truth is, in perspective, this is not going to last forever. Only one thing will last forever, and that is with us, the church, sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, for he has overcome sin. He's overcome death and sickness and evil. That's what's forever. That's what we can look forward to. Maybe you're thinking, Jordan, that's encouraging, but it doesn't really, you know, make this any easier. It doesn't make it any less difficult. And as I close, I'd like to encourage you from one last piece on perspective from a few verses earlier. If you were to ask my wife about my favorite Bible verse, she would tell you it's John 16, 7. Jesus is explaining that he's got to go, he's leaving them, and you can imagine the heartbreak that they're feeling. And then he says this, John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He offers some wild perspective here. And sometimes when people bring perspective, it's like, it's too soon. Don't bring it, Jesus. We don't want to go hear about what you've got going on. And, and, and I hope you hear my heart in this. I'm not trying to be too soon this morning. But he says, it's actually to your advantage that I leave you. What? You can imagine his disciples saying, to what advantage? Tell us, how is this going to be better for us if you leave? In a situation that no one would have chosen the outcome, Jesus gives them a perspective to look for the blessing. He says, look, if I don't go, you don't get the Spirit. If I don't go, you don't get to experience life with the Spirit. And you know, when, when cancellations began happening and our trip got canceled and Things started to go a little crazy. God brought me back to this verse. And I don't think for a moment anyone would have chosen for this pandemic to happen. It's awful. But I can't help but turn my eyes to the things that we get to experience because this is happening. If we take just this online service itself, so many people are hearing about Jesus that would never step in the doors of our church. Because of this happening, we have made connections with organizations and, and community partners that are helping us feed. I think today was like 150 people. God is doing something. 
in and through his church for his name that might not be able to be have done maybe in the same way or to the same magnitude or as quickly perhaps if this didn't happen. And much like the disciples, would we have chosen this? No. Is this what any of us would have planned for? Certainly not. But I cannot help but to ask God to give me that kingdom perspective. What is it? God, what is it I get to experience that I might have with it walking through this valley? What is it as a church we get to experience that we may not have had we not walked through this time? Maybe we can ask ourselves, God, what are you doing that I can't see? What's happening in my heart? How are you shaping me? How are you bringing people to yourself? How are you making your name great in all this? And I would encourage you as a family, maybe immediately after I'm done in a moment, you take a moment to talk about what it is you're thankful for amongst all this. How do you see God at work? Share with those around you. But maybe you don't see God at work in all this. And believe me, I know for some of you, it's very hard to find the silver lining in all of this. For those of you that are struggling, wondering where your rent or your mortgage is going to be paid, I think about our small business owners, and we've got people in our church that own small businesses. You're thinking about your staff and bills, and especially our frontline workers in healthcare and our essential workers. We see you, and as a church, we hear you, we love you, and we are praying for you. You guys are heroes right now in this time. We understand that for some of you, it's hard right now. May I encourage you with this? You can find peace in God's presence. He is with you. And you can find peace in the person of Jesus. He is in control. And you can find peace in perspective. Jesus has overcome the world. If you're watching and perhaps you don't know what it means to have that peace, you don't know what it means to have peace with God, and you don't know what it means to have the peace of God, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to perhaps begin a journey with Jesus today. I strongly believe that he's pursuing you, and he will not stop until you abandon your life to him. And so today, if you're watching and you don't know what it means to have a relationship with God, I want to encourage you, please, begin that today and pray with us at the end of this. You can also reach us at mbc.life where we would love and have people willing and eager to walk alongside you. Perhaps we can pray, all of us, together as we close. God, we love you and we are so thankful for you. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would teach us what it means to find peace in your presence. So God, I just pray by your Holy Spirit, would you come and surround those that are anxious and surround those that are nervous, surround those that are, have fearful hearts. God, we pray your presence would be made real to them, that they might have assurance that the very presence of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in their heart and that your closest to them is as close as their own breath. Father, we thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice for us. We thank you for what he's done on the cross, allowing us to have peace with God. 
Father, I just pray right now that we would experience the peace of Jesus. And today, Father, we relinquish control of things that we are not meant to control. And God, we just say we trust you with our families. We trust you with our jobs. We trust you with our lives. And Father, give us the wisdom to know what it is we do have control over and help us act accordingly. And so, Lord, today we abandon ourselves to you. And Father, we give you ourselves as living sacrifices to be used during this time. God, lastly, we just pray for a heavenly perspective amongst all this. Show us what you're doing in Milton, in Canada, and in the nations through all of this chaos. We're trusting you and we believe in you. Father, I just pray for those that may be wanting to begin a journey with Jesus, that they would feel the courage to reach out. So Father, I just pray you'd meet them where they are right now, that they would abandon their lives to you, whether it's in their living room or their computer room, in their dorm room, wherever they might find themselves. Jesus, wherever they are, we pray that your spirit would just impact them even now. So God, we love you. We give you everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, thanks for joining us, and I hope that was an encouragement to you today. If you would like to get connected in any way, or if you would like prayer, or to begin a journey with Jesus, we encourage you to reach out to us at mbc.life, where you can find many different ways to connect. Have a blessed day.